Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. While we are getting older and the wrinkles start to appear and the gray hairs start to sprout, when we are getting older, we can get more beautiful. You know that, don't you? I hope you know that. It's a beauty that has more to do with the heart than the face. It's a beauty that's brought about by prayer, Bible study, repentance. And that's the kind of beauty each of us need to become preoccupied with. In a culture where half of marriages now end in divorce, it's never been more important to choose your spouse wisely. And today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy opens up the Bible's Book of Wisdom for some timely advice on what to look for when you are looking to marry. And then later on after the message, you'll hear about a helpful resource that will help believers apply the wisdom of Proverbs to their daily lives. You can learn more at ktt.org. Now, here's Philip DeCourcy with the last part of his message titled, Looking to Marry. The worth and significance of a person ought not to be determined by what you see, but by what you come to know about that person. Like God, we mustn't base our opinions upon physical form. The Lord looks at the heart. It takes us back, right, to Samuel's choice of a king to replace Saul among the sons of Jesse. David's brought in. Compared to his brothers, he's not as intimidating physically speaking, but God says to Samuel, he's the one, anoint him. God doesn't see as we see. God doesn't look on the outward appearance, but looks upon the heart. And we need to look the way God looks at things. A man's passion is more important than a man's fashion. How a person lives, biblically speaking, is far more important than how a person looks. And our young people need to remind themselves of that when they set out to find a partner in life. Let me talk to you about the Proverbs 31 woman. And I'm not going to let the guys off the hook, but they ain't going to look at the Proverbs 32 man. Now you say, Pastor, there's no Proverbs 32 in my Bible, neither in mine. But if you read over the book of Proverbs, you're going to find character traits for men as much as for women. So we've got a Proverbs 31 woman and we have a Proverbs 32 man. And these are the desirable beauty characteristics that ought to mark uh, someone worthy of your devotion and dependence for life. The Proverbs 31 woman, we're going overnight at chapter 31 in the very passage where we're warned not to overdose on the physical. Here's what you ought to be looking for. Faithfulness, Proverbs 31, verse 11. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She's trustworthy. Her abilities and character breeds confidence. Secondly, not only faithfulness, but industry. Look at verse 13. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household. And on and on it goes, telling you about this woman. She makes full use of her day. She puts them to full use for the benefit of her home, to the blessing of her children, to the enhancement of her husband, to the good of her neighborhood. 
faithful. She's industrious. Number three, looking at a woman's character, kindness marks her. Look at verse 12. She does her husband good and not evil. She wants to please him, prosper him all the days of her life and his life. She extends her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. This woman's character is marked by compassion. Number four, excellence. Look at verse 29. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. She just doesn't settle for mediocrity, either in what she does or how she goes about things. Fifthly, stability. That phrase in the Hebrew carries the idea of when bad times come, she's ready for them. She's a strong, stable woman who on good days or bad days is a solid rock for her husband and children. She's no weather vane that's blown around by the changing winds. She's tender, but she's tough. She's a woman of quiet confidence in God. And as Corrie ten Boom once said, there is no panic in heaven. The Trinity never meet an emergency session. Therefore, a godly woman who is fearing God, being faithful, kind, excellent, hardworking, is a stable woman because she trusts what she cannot do to God's keeping. Faithfulness, industry, kindness, excellence, stability. Finally, reverence. Verse 30, we've quoted it a number of times. This woman fears God, and therefore this woman's to be praised. This is a woman who's living under authority. She's godly. She's submissive. Primarily, she's submissive to God. She's under his authority. To reverence God, remember, means you know who God is and what you are before him. He is to have the supreme place in life. He orders life. Life is to be lived according to his word, according to his will. That's what it means to fear God. So this woman understands her place before God. Now she understands her place before her husband because God has designed it. God has ordained it that the head of the home is the man and that the wife is his helper comes alongside him, comes under him to um, help him along with herself to fulfill all of God's purposes within the home. And she doesn't balk at that. She doesn't fight that. She's not angry and bitter in doing that. No, she's a woman that fears God. And since she fears God, she's not frightened to be under the authority of her husband. These are some of the traits of a godly woman, a woman who looks at life from a sacred duty perspective. That's the Proverbs 31 woman. And Proverbs 18.22 tells us, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and he who finds a virtuous wife finds something that money cannot buy. This woman's price is beyond rubies. And the man that finds her should get on his knees and thank God for the gift that she is to him. The Proverbs 31 woman leads us to think quickly about the Proverbs 32 man. Now, while the perspective has generally been upon what these sons ought to look for in the daughters of Israel, we wouldn't want you thinking, ladies, that the book of Proverbs leaves men untouched and unchallenged. In fact, throughout this book, these young men are challenged about their own character, the state of their own hearts and souls. Let me write down a couple of characteristics you ought to look for if you're a young woman here and a young man. Godly young men who are character-based, in their conduct will be one marked by reverence. In uh, Proverbs 1 verse 9, we're told what? The beginning of wisdom is to fear God. I mean, this is where you got to begin. This is where every young woman's got to begin. When, when they're looking at a young man, 
Has this young man got a strong and growing relationship with God? Does he have an appetite for the word of God? Do I see him serving in the kingdom of God? Is he under the leadership of Jesus Christ? Is he living his life according to the lordship of the Savior? Because how can he lead me if he himself is not being led? He will be unable to love me like Christ loves the church, and that's what Christ calls him to be. But if he's not living for Christ, then he's not going to love me like that. But if I get a young man who's passionate about God, who's got a concern for souls, who loves the church, who thinks that the Lord's day is a special day, his life is marked by um, the fear and reverence of all things sacred, then I'll get a man who's got a heart for God and he'll give me that heart the way God has asked him to. Reverence, secondly, diligence. Proverbs chapter 10, verse four, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in the summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Any young woman should look at a young man, see that he loves God. Secondly, that he's proactive, that he's a leader, that he's got a sense of where he's going in life. He's gonna be productive and diligent. You don't want a young man, by the way, who's get caught up in worldly ambition and who's in the materialism. But you do want a young man who's diligent, hardworking, productive. Number three, kindness. Proverbs 11, verse 17, the merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. There's a contrast here between a kind man and an angry man. She wants toughness and tenderness rolled into the one man who loves God and therefore will love her, who's hardworking, kind. Number four, honorable. Look at Proverbs 10, verse nine. He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. Any woman wants security. She wants a man to provide for her, take care of her. Well, the kind of man that will do that is a man who is secure in himself, who walks with integrity, who's got an honor code that he lives by. His word is his bond. He's courteous. He's punctual. He's dutiful, respectful, committed. He's not something on the outside. He doesn't project an image that lacks reality on the inside. He's not one thing during courtship and then another thing after the ceremony. What you see is what you get. What you see, you like. And since what you see is what you get, you're not going to be disappointed in a man of integrity. He's the same in the dark as he is in the light. The final character trait that I want to touch on as I've scanned the book of Proverbs for the Proverbs 32 man, faith, reverence, diligence, kindness, honor, temperance. Temperance. Look at Proverbs 11, verse 12. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, and a man of understanding holds his peace. This young man will know how to conduct himself. He won't barge in where he doesn't belong. He won't say what he doesn't need to say. He's got himself under control. He's temperate in his appetite, in his actions, in his attitudes. He's restrained. He's under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He's under the control of the word of God, and he's under the supervision of the Holy Spirit. This ability is a great ability. According to Proverbs 16, verse 32, we read, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. There again, we're back to this image of the warrior. This big guy, broad-shouldered, six-pack, his chest stands out. 
He could lift two men up with both arms, one in each hand. He's a strapping, strong guy. He can storm the hill. He can take the city. But when the victory is won, you'll find him around the campfire getting drunk, shouting his mouth off, treating women with disrespect. He can't control himself. He can't control his passions. Proverbs says, you want a man who's temperate. Yeah, you want a man who can storm a hill, but you want a man who can control himself in victory. You want a man who knows when to say what needs to be said at the right time. There you have it, a Proverbs 31 woman, a Proverbs 32 man. And what is striking is that this inner beauty is rooted in character. It's not rooted in personality. A person's character, not his credentials or his charisma, is the issue of greatest importance when it comes to measuring up a mate. Not credentials, where you come from, where you were born, whose family you belong to. Not your um, charisma. Are you an introvert, an extrovert? Those things are not what you're looking for primarily. You're looking for character because character is universally attainable. I don't care where you're from. And I don't care how much or how little you have in terms of letters after your name or credentials, but character is universally attainable to all of us. We can change by God's grace and become the men and women that God has called us despite our background. So character is far more important than charisma and far more important than credentials. Character has value in crisis. Credentials and charisma have little value when things get tough. Character reflects the beauty of the Lord Jesus, credentials and charisma have nothing to do with Christ-likeness. We need to be alert to the fact that our culture has shifted from a focus on character and abiding virtues to a focus on personality and passing values. You'll hear all sorts of words today to describe someone. They're fascinating, they're stunning, they're attractive, they're magnetic, they're glowing, they're masterful, they're creative, they're dominant, they're forceful, and they could be all those things and still lack character. They can have a great personality, yet lack so much in terms of the heart. Drunks can be great fun to be with when they're not drunk. Some of the most interesting people are the most devilish people. And in terms of personality, they're very engaging and interesting and you're drawn towards them, but they're not the kind of people you'd want to build a marriage upon or a home with or invest your money with or become your best friend for life. That's why the book of Proverbs warns us. Let me tell you a story that I came across in a book I read recently on the will of God. It relates to a Lieutenant George Blanchard who was a soldier in basic training in Florida during World War II. And one night he decided to take some time off and he wandered from the post and he went down to the local library and found himself a book and sitting in the corner of the library began to read the book and became intrigued. That in this book there, were, there was handwriting on the margins of the book and it was very evident that it was the handwriting of a woman. It was a feminine touch to both the insights and the writing itself and he became intrigued. And he decided to try and find out who this woman was. And uh, further investigation led him to understand that this book had been previously owned by the woman who had written in it. And the woman's name was a Miss Hollis Maynell. And so Blanchard did more research and found out she was now living in New York. The next day, he was shipped overseas. But for the next 13 months and two weeks, he began to correspond with this woman by letter. And both of them began to open their hearts and evidently began to bond and actually fall in love. He wrote her in one of these letters, 
a request that she would send him a picture. She wrote back and said, I'm not going to send you a picture because it doesn't matter what I look like if you love me. And they kept writing until his, he got a bit of a break, was brought home. And so they, uh, in their correspondence, had agreed to meet up on that fateful and final day in the Grand Central Station in New York City. And she had instructed him that she'll be there waiting for him and that he will recognize her by a red rose that she'll be wearing on her lapel. Now I'll let him tell the rest of the story. Quote, a young woman was coming toward me, beautiful, trim, blonde. Eyes were blue as flowers in her pale green suit. She was like springtime come alive. I started toward her forgetting that she wasn't wearing the rose. Then I saw Hollis Maynell. She was standing behind the girl, a woman with graying hair. But she wore a red rose and a rumpled lapel of her coat. She, so deep was my longing for the woman whose spirit had captured me that I approached her. There she stood. Her face was gentle and sensible. Her gray eyes had a twinkle. I didn't hesitate. My hand gripped the small, worn blue leather book, which would identify me to her. I squared my shoulders, I saluted and held out the book to the woman even while choking back the bitter disappointment. I'm Lieutenant John Blanchard and you must be Miss Maynell. I'm so glad to meet you. May I take you to dinner? The woman's face broadened into a smile. She said, I don't know what you're talking about, son. But the young lady in the green suit who just went by told me to wear the rose. And she said, if you were to ask me out to dinner, I should tell you that she's waiting for you in a large restaurant across the street. It's some kind of test. It's a good test, isn't it? It's a great test. And every young man and every young woman needs to pass it. There's nothing wrong with looking for blue eyes and blonde hair and a shapely figure, if that's your deal. But that's not really that important, is it? It's all about the heart. Because uh, that blonde hair will become gray hair unless it's washed in this particular stuff. And those blue eyes and young complexion will begin to change over time, which brings me to the durable beauty that the book of Proverbs talks about. It talks about debatable beauty, talks about desirable beauty, and it talks about durable beauty, which is an extension of the last thought. It talks about a beauty that's an inside-out job that grows with the passing of time. See, the Bible talks about a beauty that doesn't fade as you get older. And this is the kind of beauty that you and I ought to look for from the get-go. Even when we are in the flush of youth, even when physical form has a much more important role to play in a relationship than it does 60 years later. But there is an unfading beauty. There's a durable beauty. There's a forever beauty. There's a beauty that outshines youth and there's a beauty that triumphs over old age. It's a beauty centered on the self. It's a beauty that's centered on the soul. It's a beauty that doesn't perish. Remember Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 and how he put it, while the outward man perishes, the inner man, what's the inner man? It's the soul. It's the spirit. It's that which doesn't die when our body ceases to function. But the inner man, the self, the soul, the spirit, the inner man can be renewed day by day. While we are getting older and the wrinkles start to appear and the gray hairs start to sprout, when we are getting older, we can get more beautiful. You know that, don't you? I hope you know that. And I hope you're pursuing that, whether you're young or old, whether you're married, hoping to be married, or you're married 
Proverbs 31, verse 30 tells us that. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain, passing, temporary, vain. But a woman that fears God, a woman whose life is centered upon God, a woman who's growing in her character, a woman who's looking more like God every day, she is to be praised and she will bring happiness like nothing else. If you are like the Lord Jesus, you're very beautiful in the eyes of your partner. And that's the kind of beauty that our young people need to fixate on. That's the kind of beauty each of us need to become preoccupied with. It's a beauty that has more to do with spiritual health and physical fitness. It's a beauty that has more to do with the heart than the face. It's a beauty that has more to do with the Holy Spirit than the doctor. It's a beauty that has more to do with going to church than going to the tanning salon. It's a beauty that's brought about by prayer, Bible study, repentance, worship. Listen to these words of Kenneth Cancer and we'll be done. On the 50th wedding anniversary that he shared with his wife, this biblical scholar wrote in an article in Christianity Today, quote, my wife is 75 years old. At times her face is etched with old age wrinkles, or so she calls them. And true to her femininity, she hates them. On the other hand, I think the lines are beautiful, and I love every one of them. I tell her they may come with advancing years, but they are lines of character, not old age wrinkles. And I remind her of a bumper sticker a friend of mine reported seeing, if you is 50 and ain't got no wrinkles, you ain't smiled enough. Some of our young people are about to make one of the greatest choices of their life. May they watch out for debatable beauty. May they seek desirable beauty. And may all of us, whatever stage we're at, be, by God's help, seen, formed in us a durable beauty that would ultimately culminate when Jesus comes and we are made very much like Him. An important message from Philip DeCourcy on Know the Truth. It was titled, Looking to Mary. It's possible you'd like to hear this message again or share it with a friend. You can request a CD or USB copy when you go online to ktt.org. And while you're there, you'll also find additional resources to guide you through today's important topic. Now, there are a couple of other resources we'd also like you to have. The first is a resource that pairs wonderfully with our current study on wisdom. It's titled, What God Wants Every Dad to Know. Based on the Proverbs, this book will equip fathers to lead their children to live each day faithfully, guided by the wisdom God provides on topics such as finances, anger, sexuality, work, relationships, and much more. The second resource is one we'll send to a friend or family member of your choice. Written by Pastor Philip, it's titled, Take Cover, and this book encourages readers to find peace in God's protection regardless of circumstances. Both of these resources are yours with a gift of any amount in support of Know the Truth. And if you've been listening for any length of time, you know that at Know the Truth, we're committed to proclaiming the truth of God's Word with boldness, clarity, and conviction. And as we journey through 2023, it's our goal to continue these daily broadcasts right here on your station and others across the country. But we can't do it without your help. We rely on the generosity of listeners like you to join us in ministry. So call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And don't forget to request your two resources. Now, if you're new to Know the Truth, we want to welcome you with a copy of Philip's new devotional booklet. 
It's called Resting in God's Faithfulness, and it's yours just for contacting Know the Truth. Again, call 888-644-8811 or visit ktt.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd, hoping you'll come back tomorrow when Philip DeCourcy continues our study in Proverbs. Hear a message called For God and Country, Friday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.